Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. All right, today is the Feast of the Holy Family. And every year on the Sunday between Christmas and January 1st, uh, the church has us um, take a close look at the Holy Family for obvious reasons, because after the birth of Christ, this is the first time that we see uh, the Holy Family all together, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh, And there are, I feel like, a million things that I would love to preach about Uh, when it comes to the Holy Family, or when it comes to just the family in general. um, Obviously, I'm not going to preach about a million things, but it's a a massive topic. Um, It's not not news to any of you, I don't think, that the family is the bedrock of society, and in many ways also the bedrock of the church. And uh, there's a lot at stake. (laughs) When family life goes well, Basically, every part of human life flourishes. When family life does not go well, uh, it's very difficult for all of the many aspects of human life to flourish. Not that it's not possible, but it's, it's made uh, quite difficult. There's a lot riding uh, on uh, whether a family is healthy uh, and holy or not. So, with that in mind, as I was thinking about what I wanted to preach about today, um, the thought occurred to me that it might be helpful to focus on the most important relationship within a family, which is, and I'm talking about the human relationships in a family, obviously the relationship of each member with God (laughs) is the most important, but among the human relationships in a family, uh, the most important relationship, which again is no surprise, is that of the husband and wife. Uh, All of the other relationships within the family structure are subordinate to that one. And in many ways, all of the other relationships rely on the health uh, and the goodness and the love in that relationship uh, for their own relationships to flourish. And I'm thinking here in particular of children, but um, this even extends to like extended family members or grandkids and, and so on. So, I wanted to highlight for all of you this morning uh, two effects of the love of husband and wife on particularly on children. So, when a husband and wife love each other very well, they have a very good relationship, there's lots of self-sacrifice, there's lots of affection, and so on. What are the effects of that on children in a particular way? And I want to look at, at, at two of those effects. Um, versus when there's a lack of love, a lack of affection, when there's tension and, and fighting and you know, fill in the blank between husband and wife, what are the flip side, what are the negative effects of that on, on children? Before launching into those two effects, uh, I'll just give you a quick quote, which many of you are probably uh, familiar with, um, which is, as family goes, 
so goes society. Right? As the family goes, so goes society. And that's very true. Uh, and we can drill down one layer deeper than that, which is the topic I want to focus on today, and say, as the relationship of husband and wife goes, so goes the family. Right? So society is dependent on the family. The family is dependent upon the relationship of husband and wife. That is the beating heart of the family. That is the, the core. Everything sort of filters out from there. And for those of you uh, who are, like me, not married, um, even though what I'm going to walk through today might not apply to you directly at this particular moment in your life, all of us come from a family. So I would encourage you to maybe take some of these thoughts that I'm going to walk through and maybe use them to reflect on your own, your own upbringing and your, and your own uh, parents' relationship. Okay. The first big effect that a strong or a weak spousal relationship has on children growing up uh, in a family is with parents that have a very strong loving relationship where they're very united, that child grows up typically, again, there's always exceptions, but typically that child has a much better chance to grow up with a very strong sense of self, a sense of identity, of, of who they are, right? A child that grows up in a family where mom and dad are constantly bickering or they're not very united or there's not a whole lot of affection or love going on and that's kind of evident to children, often what will more likely than not happen is a child will grow up uh, sort of struggling a little bit to come into a sense of who they are sort of claim their identity. Um, the reason for this is something that I don't think many people are quite aware of or have reflected on too much. The reason is that all of us, as we're growing up, we don't experience ourselves as being 50% from our mother and 50% from our father. Even though biologically this is the case, this is not how it, how it develops within us spiritually. On a spiritual level, a child senses that they have one single origin. Not two origins, but one. And this single source of their existence, of their identity, is mom and dad kind of fused together. It's what you might call in quotes, uh, mom-dad, <laughs> or dad-mom, right, with a hyphen in between. A child growing up, has this gut sense that the source of who they are, their origin, is this, this one single unit, not, not two separate units. And so what this means by consequence is that when a child, even at a young age, when a child senses that there's some sort of breakdown in that single unit, there's, there's cracks, there's fissures, there's fractures, you know, big or small, that is going to affect a child's sense of who they are. You know, the, the bigger the, the cracks, the bigger the fissures in that single source of their, of their identity and their, their parents' relationship, the more it's going to cause them in general to kind of flounder a little bit in terms of figuring out who they are, 
right? It's going to cause them to, to struggle to acquire sort of a, a level of maturation, to sort of step into their identity as a man or a woman. Uh, it's going to become a little bit more difficult, right? Again, there's always exceptions to this. It can also happen that a child who grows up in a wonderful family with incredible heroic parents whose relationship are full of love can still struggle with kind of figuring out who they are and vice versa. A child who grows up in a really rough household may actually step into their identity fairly easily. But by and large, those are going to be the, the exceptions. And I'll also point out that this kind of effect positive or negative, depending on the strength of the parent's relationship, is a particularly important point to note in our current culture. Because a hundred years ago, if you were raised in a household where your parents didn't have a great relationship, and that put you at a disadvantage for really figuring out who you are, kind of claiming an identity, chances are there would be other safety nets within wider society or your extended family that would help guide you to, to step into your role as a, as a mature man or a mature woman. Most of those safety nets in our current culture have completely evaporated, and therefore there's a higher risk, you might say, in taking on this, this great challenge of, of raising children in the modern day. Because if a child does not acquire that strong sense of self-confidence and identity from their parents' good relationship, there's much less of a chance that there's going to be some kind of safety net that they'll encounter to help them kind of fill in the gaps as they grow up. So one thing, and I'll say this again later on, for those of you who are raising kids in today's uh, day and age, um, you, you certainly have my admiration for one. Uh, for many reasons. Um, but second, I just want to, uh, to encourage you uh, in, your, in your vocation because um, there's a lot riding on how well you love each other and as a consequence then how well your children are able to um, develop into who God wants them to be. Um, and so you have my admiration and my prayers and, um, and definitely just my encouragement uh, for that that task that you've, you've undertaken and that, that God has called you to. The second thing that I want to mention as an effect of the parents' relationship on kids is how children experience love within the family. So, in my experience, just throughout many different conversations with different people, whether it's marriage prep or talking to married couples or talking to people about their upbringing, I think many people have a somewhat mistaken notion of how love works within a family unit. What I mean is this. I think many people, when they think about love occurring within a family, they think about a whole array of sort of one-on-one -on -one channels where love is exchanged back and forth. What I mean is that people think about, okay, within, love within the family looks like this. There's a channel of love that goes back and forth between husband and wife. There's a channel of love that goes back and forth between mom and Susie, mom and Billy, mom and Joey. There are other channels of love that go back and forth between dad and Susie, 
dad and Billy, dad and Joey. And then there are these different channels of love that go horizontally between siblings. And I think that that primarily is how love happens in the family. Now, that isn't completely wrong. It is true that within a family, you have individual relationships. And within those relationships, there's exchanges of love happening. No doubt. But for children, that is not the primary way that they experience love within the family structure. The primary way that a child experiences love in the family structure is that the love and unity between mom and dad, between husband and wife, creates this kind of invisible cloud of love within the family that everyone else swims in and breathes in and absorbs like osmosis. Right? So when the husband and wife love each other very, very much, when they have a very strong relationship that's full of sacrifice and affection and humility and so on, everyone benefits 24-7. Right? There's, there's, an, there's this invisible atmosphere that everyone else in the family is just swimming in and drinking in all day long. Now again, there also have to be those individual channels where we give each member of the family attention and so on. But the primary way children experience love is by living in that, that cloud, you might say, that, that atmosphere of love. And the opposite is also the case, where if mom and dad have a particularly poor relationship, and if this is very evident to the kids, if there's a lot of bickering, if there's not a whole lot of being on the same page, not a lot of affection, and so on, right? That creates kind of the opposite sort of cloud in the home, this kind of invisible cloud uh, that also seeps into everyone else um, and makes it difficult. Even if there are a couple of good one-on-one -on -one relationships, it doesn't make up for the lack of the atmosphere uh, that is meant to exist within a family, the, the atmosphere of love, right? So sometimes what can happen in a family is if the relationship between husband and wife breaks down as, as sort of a way to counteract that, mom and dad, out of good intentions, may try and give sort of extra love and attention to each of their children. But a child will always sort of know on a visceral gut level that that's only a halfway solution, that, that something is still kind of missing, which is, which is this whole atmosphere of love that, that children kind of by instinct want to swim in and want, and want to live in, right? So what are some consequences of, of this, this way that love functions within a family? One consequence is that uh, for those of you who are married, the best possible way to love your children is to love your spouse. Full stop. The best possible way to love your children is to love your spouse. Right? So I would encourage you to make time for each other. I would encourage you if if there's anything broken in your relationship, 
have the humility to seek help if you need it, to do what you can to heal it, to try and humble yourself before each other. Right? The best way to love your kids is to love your spouse. Another consequence of this dynamic of love uh, within family life, um, you know, a lot of times I'll meet newly married couples or couples in marriage prep and we'll start talking about um, you know, their, their hopes for their family and you know, their hopes for God to bless them with children and so on. And sometimes it'll come up that there's a kind of fear that if God does bless them with a number of children, that they won't have enough energy or love to really adequately give to all of the children. And to some degree, that's kind of a rational fear. It is true that as parents, obviously you have to love each child in a unique way and, and give them you know, one-on-one attention from time to time. Not just from time to time, but frequently. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, don't take that out of context. Um, the, uh, but all that being said, because the, the main desire of children is to swim all day in that, in that atmosphere of love, so long as the husband and wife have a very strong relationship, the children will always, to a certain degree, again, there's always exceptions, but will feel themselves very much to be loved. Even if mom or dad don't have quite as much time to devote one-on-one attention to each child, the love will just be like exponentially multiplied in a family in a way that is not present even if a couple's only been blessed with a few children, but their relationship is poor and they have a bunch of extra time to give one-on-one to their kids, it, it will feel like 10 times less love <laughs> than having a lot of siblings where you get less one-on-one time with mom and dad, but that they have a fantastic relationship with each other, right? So that, that's an important principle to keep in mind, especially those of you who are maybe like newly married or engaged or whatever, Um, you should never have any fear of the number of children that God may wish to bless you with so long as your relationship with your spouse is good, right? So long as that is in a good place, there's always going to be enough love to go around in the family. The last consequence I'll just mention, uh, which is an interesting one to think about of this dynamic of love in a family is that Uh, The thicker the atmosphere of love that you grow up in as a child, like the the thicker that cloud of love is in your home uh, when you grow up, the higher your bar will be when you go out into the world, the higher your bar will be both in terms of what you expect from yourself in loving others and if you're called to marriage, for example, the higher your expectation will be in terms of what your spouse gives to you in terms of love. So it will help to discern marriage very well. (laughs) So you don't marry somebody that that you shouldn't, right? Because if you grow up in a family where you're just swimming for 18 years in the love of your parents, that's just kind of filling the house, well, when you go out into the world, you'll, you'll know what's possible in terms of, of love, 
whether that's getting married or friendships or, or whatever it may be, you know where the, where the bar can be, both in challenging yourself to love others and in what you might expect to receive uh, from a friend or spouse or what have you. Okay, so all that said, um, again, just want to end with a little bit of encouragement uh, for those of you who are married. You know, if you feel like your marriage is in a good place, uh, that's great, but I would encourage you to not become stagnant or complacent. There's always new depths that you can plumb in married life. Uh, that's meant to be your vehicle to sanctity, right? So you always want to be looking ahead. How can we grow? How can we come, become a little bit more humble with each other? How can we sacrifice a little bit more? How can we make a little more time for each other, right? And so on. You always want to be growing. For those of you who are married and find yourself in the midst of struggles, whether those are big or small or in between, um, the first thing I would just tell you is that the Lord loves you a lot. <laughs> he has a special affection for you uh, because of where you're at. And he really, really wants to help you with his grace. Those of you that are sacramentally married, he wants to help you in a particular way through that sacrament. Um, so, so number one, rely on his help. Number two, you know, if you do need to seek advice or help from someone else, uh, please have the humility to do that. I was very impressed that a couple years ago, there was a married couple I knew. They'd only been married uh, one or two years, and they were already running into the very faithful couple, very wonderful people, and they were already running into problems that they did not expect at all. Uh, and they had the humility, thanks be to God. They weren't huge problems, but they were problems. And they had the humility, thanks be to God, to, to seek help. They talked to their pastor. They, they started going to counseling. And it provided them with, with enough help to where they could sort of walk themselves through these, the, this sort of early rough patch. And now they're in a great spot. They've been married six or seven years. Right? So, uh, so if, if, you need, if you need some help in your marriage, right, there is no sacrifice too big. <laughs> there is no sacrifice too big to work on, on healing something uh, within a marriage. There's a, lot, there's a lot that depends on that. Um, and for those of you maybe looking uh, in a special way to kind of deepen your marriage um, and you're looking for maybe resources or like a movement in the church that's dedicated to families, there are a lot of families here at Good Council that are involved in different marriage movements in the church that are meant to provide some structure and guidance for how to grow in holiness in the vocation of marriage. Um, you're welcome, if, if that piques your interest, uh, for those of you who are married, you're welcome to ask me about it or, or shoot me an email or whatever. Because um, living a, a fruitful and joyful and holy marriage in today's culture uh, is not easy. Um, you don't need me to tell you that, <laughs> those of you who are married. Um, but in case you're wondering, like, is it supposed to be this difficult? Um, well, that's, that's kind of what happens when you try and live a marriage as designed by God in a culture where there's nothing really left to support that, right? Um, so we all have to help each other. We have to take advantage of the things that are available to us. Same for me and the priesthood. If I try and live the priesthood as a lone ranger, like, good luck. Like, if, if, I, don't have, if I don't have good friendships that I'm leaning into on a frequent basis, I don't stand a chance, right? If you're, trying, if you're trying to live marriage by yourself, to really have a, a holy and happy marriage by yourself, just on your, on your own island, good luck, <laughs> right? Good luck. 
So please, like, take advantage of, of these movements in the church, of, of people who can offer you advice and counsel and help, right? Nobody, nobody's strong enough to do it on their own. So lastly, just again, I'm, I'm encouraged by the example of many of you that I've gotten to know over the past five or six years, like the effort and energy and love that you're putting into your families is really, um, just really inspiring. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just want to encourage you to, to stay on the path um, and, uh, and, and know of my prayers. And those of you who, like me, are not married, uh, please do what you can to uh, support the married couples and the families in your life. Um, to pray for them, to encourage them, uh, to offer them uh, assistance um, in, in any way you can.